Hello, this is a Trevor Jackson podcast sponsored by Anchor app. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast, man. Like on this episode, I want to discuss what is black culture? Like, how do we define black culture? And also, I want to talk about the fight. Obviously, I haven't talked about the fight. Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul and Chad Ochocinco, man. What's up, man? That was a good, good tussle. And uh, people always talk about his little dirt curse. Like everybody who be around little dirt and be in his atmosphere, they pass, they die. So it's little dirt curse. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, man, you see the title of the show. The title of the show is called Overdog Behavior. Overdog is the opposite of underdog. It's someone that's confident in themselves. Or it could be a little bit of ego or both. You know what I mean? They're confident in themselves. They feel like they, they're going to win. They know they're going to win. They're, they're confident, basically. So overdog behavior. And we're going to talk about a couple of overdogs on this podcast. Let's do it. I got a tough song to that instrumental. Y'all just going to have to wait on it, but I got a tough song to that. And like, um, okay, so getting into the podcast, I'm going to start it off with a little bit of playoff talk. So LeBron is out. He's out the playoffs. So who is the best player left in the playoffs? My personal opinion is Kevin Durant. And me and my boy, me and cuz anyway, not my boy, but family, Jack was talking today about uh, usage rate, usage rate. And I was telling him how valuable Steph Curry is. Like, I just seen Steph Curry play some games where he had 12 attempts. He might have hit nine of them and hit 10 free throws and end up with 30 points. So his usage rate is low. It's real low. Like, Steph Curry only got his usage is only 10% of the game. So his team has 90% for them to be able to produce. So what made me bring that stat up was that James Harden and Luka Doncic, like Luka, his usage rate is 48% right now. That's more than what James Harden usage rate was at the Rockets. So the other 14 players only get 50% opportunity. They got to split up 50% during the game for them to be able to perform. So Luka Doncic is taking 35 shots to score 30 points. So his usage rate is high. James Harden usage rate is high. And uh, I remember listening to Kobe saying that that's not championship ball. You can't win a championship when one individual usage rate is so high because the team cannot form a chemistry. Everybody got to touch the ball. Everybody got to shoot the ball. You can't shoot the ball 50 times a ball game and your and your team, the other players on the team got to split up the other 20 shots. They can't get no chemistry. They can't get no flow going. So I was telling him about that. And with that being said, though, I was like, to me, the person who can produce, have a high production productivity and low usage is actually the best player in the game, my perspective. So with that being said, I was like doing some research. And since Brian is gone, 
I think the best player left is Kevin Durant. And I'm going to pull up something to show y'all how disrespectful KD is right now. KD is highly disrespectful. But let's look at the uh, visual. This is against the reigning two-time MVP. The reigning two-time MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Mopo, whatever the name is. I can't pronounce his last name. I need to hear it multiple times before I be able to pronounce it. But this is how KD did him in game one and made it look so easy. Let's check it out. Durant rebounds. And Marv, you talked about Harden out. Heavy minutes in this, this game for, for Durant and Irving, both with 33 and 34 minutes. Something to keep an eye on as we get into the fourth quarter. That's black it down. The two-second differential is Durant for three. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. The level of disrespect and ease that it takes for Kevin Durant to do what he do is amazing. Like, offensively and simplicity, I haven't seen nothing like it before. And KD is one of those players whose usage rate is low. He don't need the ball in his hand the whole game. He can take two steps and hit the mid-range. He can shimmy-shake you and hit the three. It's just unfazable. It ain't nothing you can do about it. So my prediction, I got the hat on. My prediction, the Brooklyn Nets is going to win the championship and can't nobody stand in their way. Long as they stay healthy. Let me let me put that clause on it. Long as they stay healthy, I think the Brooklyn Nets are going all the way. So let's get on into the uh, conversation. I asked y'all what y'all thoughts was, and I'm going to ask you the question again. What is black culture? Jill. So when I think of black culture, I think of the black experience, like knowing who you are, knowing your history, knowing the struggles, being knowledgeable of black, your voice, speaking positive, speaking positively of your people. You know what I mean? Everybody else, black culture. So what does that really mean, though? What does it mean, black? Because black is not a race. It's not people. Black is not a definition for uh, like uh, your ancestry. Who are we? Where we come from? So I looked up the definition. You know, I always read the definition of what black culture is. And black culture, this is the definition on Wikipedia. It's a culture rooted in the blend between the native African cultures, West Africa and Central Africa, and the European culture that has influenced and modified its development in the American South. Understanding its identity within the culture of the United States, that is, in the anthropological sense, conscious of its origins as largely a blend of West and Central African cultures. Although slavery greatly restricted the ability for Africans to participate, their original culture traditions, many practices, values, and beliefs survived and over time have modified or have been blended with European cultures and other cultures 
such as the Native Americans, African-American identity was established during the period of slavery, producing a dynamic culture that has had and continues to have a profound impact on American culture as a whole, as well as a worldwide broad culture. So when I think of that, I think of hip hop, people in hip hop speaking on cultural impact and uh, the culture, this culture. What culture are we speaking of at the end of the day? The hip hop culture has its own aspects, but black culture, like, do you know what the, have you researched the Tuskegee Ironman? Have you researched the Red Summer, the Tulsa burning? Do you know why we protest? Do you know why the police was created? You know what I'm saying? That That's black culture. That's what black culture is knowing. Like we have people uh, in other countries dressing like us, listening to our music, participating in activities that we do. You know what I mean? We, we create, we made basketball cool. The way people dress, the tennis shoes, the way we speak, the way we wear our hair. There's people... <laughs> that are influenced by that. But why, as a culture, we want to be accepted by other cultures? Like, you know when people answer the phone and they don't sound like themselves so they can participate in something or they're trying to receive something that someone else has to offer so they try to make you more comfortable and they try to be like you. Like, Okay, for instance, why do black women perm their hair? Why we don't just wear it natural? We don't see ourselves as beautiful when we're natural, naturally who we are. Like, you're beautiful just the way you are. Why do uh, we speak and dress and act a certain way to get jobs and stuff so we can be accepted in the atmosphere? Is it wrong being me? If you don't like who I am, then I don't feel comfortable being in that atmosphere because the atmosphere obviously isn't for me. So with that being said, let's do some research, like get in the comment section. Help me further the discussion. Tell me about some books that you've read. Tell me about some documentaries that you've seen. Tell me about an aspect of black culture that I may not know about that. I haven't done research on. Tell me about the slavery. Tell me about when we docked at Charleston. Tell me about why everything was created in Africa first. Tell me about the black woman. I just want to know more about uh, black culture and what is it? Because at the end of the day, I, I feel as if I'm a part of it. And who is to speak for it? Like speaking for black culture, do, are you doing your research to be able to make me knowledgeable about something that I don't know? Can you say that you're part of the culture if you're not helping elevate the culture? Are you just speaking on the culture? Because a lot of people will say that this individual is a coon, but they don't know the definition of a coon. The definition of a coon is a person who uh, voice of those people outweighs his contribution. Like, or what are you saying about these people? Does it outweigh your contribution? Hmm. 
Well, just help me further the discussion, man. I appreciate y'all. But we're going on. We switching the segment. We're going on to stories from the hood. Stories from the hood. Let's do it. So at one point in my life, uh, I can admit I was a street pharmacist, but I've been removed from that for uh, multiple years, decade, decade plus. So I'm going to speak on a story from the hood that happened at an early age in my life. I was probably a young teenager, just becoming a teenager, 13, 14 years old. So me and my best friend, we're on the porch, right? And uh, we're going through our car collection. We checking our car collection out and we notice like peers and people that's a little bit older than us, they're running to cars. You know, back in the days in the game when people ran to cars. And I was talking to one of my friends and he was telling me prices about stuff and how much they make when they run the cars and everything. And I'm I'm a preteen, I'm young. So when uh this individual was telling me these things, he was telling me about like they make $20 every time a car pull up. Or more. So when I'm on the porch with my friend and I'm like, man, we broke, I'm broke. We busting food stamps down so we can get a couple of dollars so we can go get some tops cars. Those cars are worth a lot of money now, too. I might can almost buy a Mercedes with the cards I got from that era. But uh, we busting food stamps down to get a hot hamburger, hot sandwich. We busting food stamps down to get cars, you know. And those times in the hood, you'll get a dollar uh, food stamp and you'll spend a quarter of the food stamp and that give you 75 cent bay. So we'll go to multiple stores and bust that down till we have like $10 a piece. We'll go get us a burger, a couple of packs of cars, and we'll go back to the hood. So my peers and the people that was older than me was running to cars. And I said, man, fam, I'm going to count these. I'm going to count these cars as they pull in. And it's a Friday. So this the weekend. We don't got to go to school the next day. So um, this story, like, as the cars was rolling out, I was like, that's 20, that's 40. What if they got more than 20? That's 100, that's 20, that's 20. Dang, that go 100 cars. So 100 cars times $20, that's hmm, $2,000. I was like, wow, they making some money out here. Then by the time the sun went down, they done ran up on like 230 cars. So I'm a young kid. Seeing that, and that was my introduction to the street life, seeing that. And the first day I got acclimated to the streets, I made $1,000 the very first day. But that's my story from the hood. I ain't going to go too much further because, hmm, like telling on myself. Okay, so I know y'all see that this is a cabinet conversation. And on the, the last few cabinet conversations, I haven't drunk much. But this time... I'm back on it. 19 crimes, 19 crimes. That's a good cabinet. You got to try that out, man. 19 crimes. I know I drink a lot of that on the podcast because I guess it's just right around the corner. It's walking distance. <laughs> the gas station that I go to to get that is walking distance. Sometimes I don't feel like going to a winery or exclusive winery to buy a bottle or whatever. I just want to, you know, what I mean, have some convenience and go get me something that's good. That's close. So that's a good wine that's close by. So we're going to move along in the podcast. 
We talked about stories from the hood, KD dominating. And uh, now we're going to talk about hmm, this, Lil Dirk. So is Lil Dirk cursed? Because people has been dying around him and in his presence since he got signed. He was on a Vlad TV interview talking about his cousin. Oh, I don't know which family member this is or whatever. OTF Chino. It was an artist that was his family member and also an artist on his record label. OTF Chino. Then after that, his cousin Nooski passed away. Recently, King Vine. He got killed in Atlanta. You know the story. I don't have to go too deep into the story, but you know the story. And just yesterday, D-Thing, that's his brother, got killed. So a lot of individuals would be like, is Lil Dirk cursed? Is Lil Dirk a part of the Illuminati? Is Lil Dirk, has Lil Dirk ser- sold his soul so he could be on the Drake record or do this and do that? Is Lil Dirk cursed? Well, back to black culture and talking about cultural appropriation and all of that. The people who are discussing these things, talking about is Lil Dirk the Illuminati or Lil Dirk sold his soul. They are not street individuals because ain't nothing new in the streets. The only thing that's new in the streets is the players, the pieces in the, on the chessboard. That's the only thing new in the streets. Like, you know, they say it's two ways out of the streets. It's dead in jail. Them the only ways out of the streets. Or you remove yourself. That's the third option. You remove yourself. So what I have to say about this Lil Dirk situation is that Lil Dirk is not cursed. Lil Dirk is really from the streets. And when you're really from the streets, you're going to be engulfed in these activities. Because, like, just my personal experience at this age I am now, and I'm 40 years old, 40 years old and like I know more individuals dead from gun violence I have more friends dead from gun violence than I do alive and I'm from a little bitty city but those activities are the same no matter where you go no matter what hood you in no matter what you claim or what you represent those things will never change and at the end of the day I just wanted to speak on that because People believe and want to believe in things that's not a reality. And like Lil Durk ain't cursed, man. Lil Durk just involved in a lot of street business. And being from Chicago, y'all know the murder rate in Chicago is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So I just want to say prayers up to Lil Durk and man, get well. You could tell that he traumatized when you look in his eyes and listen to his music. He traumatized. But I wish you well and just stay out the streets, my brother, because the streets ain't ain't nothing. They don't even exist no more. So I know this is off the hip hop and sports topics or whatever, but I want to talk about something that uh, I looked at today on CNN. And this topic is, is meat making the planet sick? And if you listen to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Deezer, wherever you listen to this podcast at, chop it up with us, man, and come look at the visuals on YouTube because for you to really grasp what uh, Fareed Zakaria is saying from CNN, you have to see what I pulled up on the screen. So let's talk about it. 
One of the fanciest, highest rated, most theatrical and most delicious restaurants in Manhattan made a stunning announcement last month. 11 Madison Park announced that after a long closure due to the pandemic, it would reopen with an entirely animal-free plant-based menu. It's part of a larger trend that seems to be slowly gathering more and more steam. People are seeing the light, as I have, that eating animal products can not only be bad for you, it can be bad for the planet. I'm not a vegetarian yet, but working my way to having more vegetables and less meat. My next guest says that this trend needs to speed up. In the New York Times, Ezra Klein published a manifesto saying, we need a moonshot for meatless meat. Ezra, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. So tell us about your journey, because you used to be uh, a delighted and voracious meat eater. You'd post uh, pictures of hamburgers on your Instagram. What happened? Uh you know, I had known that the way we treat animals on factory farms wasn't something that I morally could support, and I could just push it out of my mind. And that's what I did for, for many years. But I, I say that to say, like, I love meat. As you say, I put it on the Instagram. I, you know, chased after fancy restaurants. And then in my 20s, I began going more vegetarian. It went back and forth. For a long time, I was vegan, except I would let myself have three burgers a month because I love burgers. And I, I say all that not because my personal journey on this is interesting, but because, and this is core to what I think should happen here, people like meat. I like meat. I'm not here to tell anybody it's not delicious. Um, but what it is doing to the planet, what it is doing to the animals, and what it is doing to our own pandemic and antibiotic risk is something that, that should worry all of us. So let's talk about that. Um, we, what is it? Something in the range of 80 billion animals, 80 billion animals are slaughtered every year for meat. Um, mm -hmm. wh what do we know about the suffering and what do we know about the climate effects? Yeah, and so that's even just land animals. But so 80 billion land animals slaughtered a year for meat, most of them chickens. Look, we live in the age of animal cruelty. It was not possible to raise, concentrate, pack together, and slaughter animals at the scale we do now at any other time in human history because we didn't have the technology. The animals we eat are technologies. They're not animals. They're bred to, to grow really quickly. We pump them full of antibiotics so they don't get sick when we pack them together in these industrial factory farming operations. And I always want to say, like, if you're a farmer or you're eating, you know, regeneratively uh, raised meat, like, that's fine. Like, that's not something I'm all that concerned about. Uh, but most of us eat meat from industrial agriculture and that has tremendous consequences and there's a lot of disease risk because viruses mutate and evolve in these packed together factory farms they then can mutate into a form that can jump to humans or we use so many antibiotics that our antibiotics stop working on us and then we get antibiotic resistant diseases so the so there is a lot of uh animal suffering here but stacked on top of that is actually a lot of human suffering too mm. What is the climate risk? Something like half of all the habitable land on Earth is used for farming, right? It is wild. Yes, half of all habitable land on Earth is used for agriculture. Most of that is used for animal agriculture. And, and just to, to take one step further on that, the reason it matters is what is often happening here is you're clear-cutting forests, right? Trees and grasses, they sequester carbon. They pull carbon out of the air and they keep it in themselves and in the ground. You're clear-cutting that and then putting cows there. You know, this is happening all over the Amazon, for instance. And then the cows, for a lot of different reasons, are unbelievably intense producers. I'm going to put a link in the description so y'all can... Uh look at that video or whatever, because that video was profound to me because 
a lot of people who watch the podcast and thank you for subscribing and watching the podcast know that I'm a vegan and I live off a vegan diet for the last four years. And I didn't become vegan to lose weight. A lot of people think that vegans are skinny, but vegans eat more carbs. We eat more carbs and vegetables. So carbs is not necessarily going to take the weight off. You know, most people think when they think of a diet, a meat eater, they uh, think of a diet. He think of removing the starches and the potatoes, the rice, the noodles, the pastas, the sugars and all of that. But as a vegan, I noticed that I contain more carbs. And uh, But the longer I become vegan, the longer I live on this diet, I'm more aware of animal cruelty and how humans treat animals and how it's having an effect on the thought process, the mentality of the human. And me saying that, it's like, once you're aware, what keeps you going back? Once you're aware like, of the death, of the cruelty, he said 80 billion animals a year, land animals. So we don't know how many animals are in the uh, ocean that's being killed or in lakes or whatever. And uh, once you're aware, what keeps you going back? Like, why? Why do you want to eat death? Why do you want to continue to consume death? I don't think that anything is wrong with a person eating meat. That's not something that I crave or whatever, but like love, you know what I'm saying? Cruelty. I don't, I don't understand why people do it now. Like <laughs> it's crazy to me when I see people chomping on chicken and stuff, but that's just the sensitivity I have now for it since I became vegan and the longer I become vegan. And it's just weird to me. But I got an announcement to make after I promo my music. Go check it out. Go stream it up. Run the numbers up. Share it. And let your friends know that your homeboy, all the podcasts that you listen to, one of the dopest artists in the world. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So I want to announce July the 4th, the first and only visual off of that album will be released on YouTube on this channel. So make sure you're subscribed. July the 4th, we're going to celebrate together. We're going to pop fireworks and we're going to grill out some vegan burgers <laughs> and some, uh, what's the sticks? The thing you put on some vegetable uh, things on the sticks. We just going to grill out, chill out, light some fireworks and celebrate. And I hope y'all tune in and watch the visual. The song is 4K. 4K. That's the song that's going to be the visual off the album. Go run the numbers up. Go listen to 4K and tell me if it's worthy of a video. But I think it is. I think it's dope. So let's get into the fight talk. Let's go. 
So did y'all pay for the fight? $49? Hmm, Floyd, Logan, Lord Jesus, $49? Ocho. Salute to Ocho. Ocho is a talented individual. And I just want to say I'm a great Ocho's performance. He get a B plus for me. He get a B plus for me. And what he said at the end of the fight during the press conference is what really stuck out to me. Ocho said, you cannot be scared to fail if you want to be successful. You cannot be scared to fail if you want to be successful. But he lost, but you can't be scared to fail, man. You got to go in there and you got to try. You got to try. You got to try again. And I salute Ocho because Ocho continuously trying. He tried bull riding. He tried soccer. He was a my perception, he was a Hall of Famer in football. So he got knocked out in the last round. Knocked down, but he got back up. Let me correct myself. He got knocked down in the last round, but he got back up. And Ocho, big salute. Big salute for just trying things, man. You can't be scared to try things. If it's something that you fear of trying right now, go out and do it, no matter if you fail. We'd be so caught up in failing and not doing well in something that we don't even try to do it. But salute to Ocho for doing that. So let's get into the Logan Paul and Floyd fight. What I took from the fight is that this man is 20 years younger than Floyd. It could be Floyd's son. He's 50 pounds heavier than Floyd. Floyd, 40-something, 42, 40-something. And Floyd got in there. We didn't expect Floyd to knock him out. I expected Floyd to do what he always do. Defend himself. What do they say when they touch gloves? Make sure you keep your gloves up at all times. Make sure you protect yourself at all times. That's what Floyd do. He uh, punch you, scat, protect himself, make you look foolish. Because dude threw 200 punches and only hit Floyd like 30-something times. Floyd threw 100 punches and connected more. He did less, but less is more. I know y'all hear that statement a lot. Less is more. And Floyd won the fight, man. It was easy work for him, as usual. $50 million process. And why, like, back to the cultural thing, like, Floyd made a billion dollars off of haters. People willing to pay to see this man lose. Haters. LeBron James, the most hated man in the NBA. People can't wait for his downfall. Like, why do... People hate so much. Why is it so profitable to hate off another individual? Salute to Logan Paul, too, though. But, man, y'all haters make people rich off of hate. And y'all going to continue to hate. And guess what? I ain't going to pay for the fight. But if Floyd fights somebody else again, an exhibition fight, he's still going to make 10 to $20 million off fighting because y'all want to see him lose so bad. Why can't we celebrate the man and want to see him win? You hate him because he's rich and you want to see him lose? Man, that's crazy. But Floyd is an overdog because he know he's going to win. But thank y'all for tuning in to the podcast. Peace, love, plenty of abundance. Go and get you some money. Yeah.
rewind it back. My fault. I seen on the uh, thumbnail that I made. I didn't talk about Julio Jones. You know, I'm a Tennessee brother. I'm born and raised in Tennessee. Big salute to the Titans for acquiring Julio Jones for some picks. They're going to be a problem. And I'm going to make a prediction. The Chiefs ain't going to stand a chance against the Titans. They barely could stand a chance against them prior with that running game slowing down that passing game. Now that they acquired a, another bully to go along with the running back, the Titans are a problem, a big part problem. But this time we out for real. Peace, love. Get you some money. Chill. Jackson Podcast.